So have you, have you ever been on a camping trip? Yeah. Now I'm not talking about glamping, where the tent's got air conditioner and a toilet and a table and a refrigerator. I'm talking about camping in a tent. I know I took a long trip. It was long, five days uh, on the Appalachian Trail where everything you had, you had to carry with you. It was a camping trip, I can tell you that. Well, and so if you think about what's in your tent and you have to carry it with you every day. I'll tell you, it, near the middle and the end of that camping trip, I wanted to throw out everything I thought I didn't need. I was throwing out. I had a diary I was writing and I threw it out. It weighed too much. A ring-bound notebook weighed too much. Today we're going to be talking about what's in your tent, but specifically what's hidden in your tent. Now, I'm going to be talking about a 40-year camping trip. I'm not talking about five days somewhere. I'm talking about a 40-year camping trip that's in the desert, no less. And it's between Egypt, where the people of Israel were captive, and to Canaan, the promised land. They used tents every day. As they moved closer and closer to Canaan and away from Egypt, they each day had to pack up their provisions, had to take their animals, their tent that they slept in was put up and taken down almost daily. And they were leaving from Egypt. They had crossed this thing called the Red Sea, and uh, Moses had let them out, and they were in the desert. They had seen the promised land while they were camping. And some spies went in and said, "Uh uh-uh, it's a great place, but the people in there are too big and they'll hurt us. We look like grasshoppers in our own eyes. So they came back. And for the next 40 years, they camped in the desert, wandering around, waiting to get to the promised land. Now, I don't know if you're in your promised land or not, or if you're still camping, but God wants you in your promised land, in your tent. And the Lord was delivering this promised land. And when I'm talking about the promised land, no, I'm talking about a place in the Bible, west of the Jordan River. Jerusalem, Bethlehem, all those towns in that area. But today I'm really talking about your promised land, where God wants you to be. And as uh, Joshua and the people, excuse me, as Joshua and the people of Israel were coming up to the Jordan River, they could see the promised land. They're in their tents, and they see this Jordan River, and it's going flowing high because it's the springtime, and they can see across it, and they can see this town called Jericho. It was the biggest town in the Middle East at that time in Canaan. And God had given them specific instructions on how to conquer it. And here's what he said in Joshua 6, 2 through 5. 
Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. Jericho was a town that was going to be destroyed because it did not hold the promise of God in it. The people there worshipped other gods, and it was a terrible place to be. I want you to know that God is delivering Jericho into your hands and my hands. We're going to utterly destroy it, along with his kings and his fighting men. And he gave these specific instructions. And I want you to know that God has given some specific instructions. It's like a recipe to follow. Here's what he says to Joshua. March around the city once with all the armed men and do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in the front of the ark. And on the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. And when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout, and the walls of the city will collapse, and the army will go up, everyone straight in. And Joshua did this. But God gave some more specific instructions. I want you to know he's got some specific instructions for you and your promised land. And they're nothing that you can't accomplish. Everything that is here in this Bible, God has made it so you can accomplish with his power, with his strength, with his blessing. We don't want to say this about the city of Jericho. He says this in Joshua 16, 17, and 18. The city and all that are in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Everything in there belongs to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all those who were in her house shall be spared because she hid the spies we sent. And he says this, keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you'll make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble to it. And he goes on further and says this, that all the silver and the gold and the articles of bronze and iron are to be sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. He's fixing to give this city, the first city in the promised land, after being in their tents for 40 years, he's fixing to give it to them. He's got cities for us to conquer. It was talked about this morning in Bible study. It's our turn now. We got to go in and take what God has given us. It's ours to have. But he said this, keep away from the devoted things. Those are called accursed things. Uh, Sometimes this word means perforated. It means to utterly destroy them. And you can lose some of it in translation, but sometimes it means the detestable things. Leave those devoted things. You see, God doesn't want us to go in in his victories and go into what he's got for us and look at what Satan has had control of and want it for that reason. He has got more for us. It says this in Exodus 22.20, Whoever sacrifices to any god, small g, other than the Lord must be destroyed. 
It further says in Leviticus, no person devoted to destruction may be ransomed. They are to be put to death. So Joshua approaches the city. And when the trumpets sounded, the army shouted, and the sound of the trumpet, and when the men gave a loud shout, the walls collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. They devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed with it the sword, every living thing in it. See, God had promised this in Joshua 1.3. He told him, I'll give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. God's got us some stuff he wants us to take back. He doesn't want us to be hindered. He doesn't want us to take the devoted things. He wants us to give to God what belongs to God because he's got more and more for us. He's got better for us. He even told Joshua this. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. God's got some place for you to be. And Joshua... And the people of Israel defeated Jericho. It fell. It was the first large military victory in the promised land. But then there was another city just a little further in. And God's pushing his people to keep going, to keep going. And they've just had this miraculous victory at the largest walled, fortressed city in the promised land in Cana. They crossed the Jordan River. They put a memorial there. And he sent them to this town. It's spelled A-I, but it's called I. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to I, which is near Beth-Avon, to the east of Bethel. And he told them, go out and spy out the region. So the men went out and spied out I. And the spies came back and said, not all the army's going to have to go against I. Send two or 3,000 men. Take it and don't be weary. The whole army, for only a few people, lived there. Looked like an easy target. Maybe they got their ego up a little bit after defeating Jericho. Because when they defeated Jericho, they just shouted. And the walls came down. How powerful is our God? So Joshua did this. He sent 3,000 went up, 3,000 to Ai, but they were routed by the men of Ai, who killed about 36 of them. They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. At this, the hearts of the people melted, and the fear, their fear became like water. It was everywhere. Their fear was so tangible, so liquid. And here's what Joshua did. He said he tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there until evening. The elders of Israel did the same, and they sprinkled dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring these people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Pardon your servant, Lord. What can I say now that Israel has been routed by its enemies? Let me tell you, when you start walking in God's way, 
when you start doing what God wants, you're going to face the enemy. You have to expect it. But stay away from the devoted things. The Lord said to Joshua this. He said, because Joshua's face down, and of course, everybody follows what the leaders do. And they're down there now on their face, on the dirt. They've torn their clothes and they're slinging dirt up on them. You can just see the frustration and the fear. Their fear was like water. They didn't know what they'd done. They'd come across the Jordan that was supposed to be the promised land. They defeated Jericho. They took all the stuff. And then all of a sudden, they're defeated by the people of Ai. And the Lord said to Joshua, stand up. I bet it was more like, stand up. Come on. What are you doing on your face? Israel has sinned. They violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things and they've stolen. They've lied and they've put them with their own possessions. This is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. So someone took something. I want you to know that there's hundreds of thousands of people the 12 tribes of Israel that have left Egypt for 40 years. They've lived and died in the desert. And they're tribe by tribe, man by man, clan by clan. They're camping every day. They defeated Jericho and now they're at Ai. But the Lord says, look, they've stolen. They've taken the devoted things. Let me let you know that God sees what we do. And the sin of one person can have far-reaching effects. Think about your own family. Think about your workplace. Think about our nation. Think about what you know in your life. The sin of one person can have far-reaching effects. Remember this, the sin of one person can have far-reaching effects. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is it you've done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. You see, the sin of one person can affect so much. Thank God his son Jesus died for our sins. He died for our sins, past, present, and future. Thank God he did. You see, sin entered the world through one man, and death by sin. So I defeated the camp of Israel. And here was the plan. He was telling them this the day before he was going to do it. He was telegraphing what he was doing. He was saying what's going to happen. Listen to this, Joshua seven fourteen. In the morning, present yourself tribe by tribe. The tribe the Lord chooses shall come forward. There's 12 tribes, hundreds of thousands of people. And the Lord is going to choose one of the tribes. And he says, in the morning, 
present yourself tribe by tribe. And the tribe that the Lord chooses shall come forward clan by clan. And the clan that the Lord chooses shall come forward family by family. And the family the Lord chooses shall come forward man by man. Everybody had all night to think about it. They had all night to get their statements squared away. Hide the evidence if they wanted to. They had all night to think about covering it up. But they also had all night to think about bringing it forward and confessing. It's a path that we choose in life. So the next morning, here's what happened. It's amazing how God, God works. Then Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and honor him. Tell me what you have done. Do not hide it from me. Of the thousands of people, went down to a tribe, went down to clans in a tribe, went down to families in a clan, went down man to man. And God said, Achan, what have you done? Achan's name means trouble. And Achan, in front of everyone, he replied, It is true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I've done. In Jericho, this is what he did. Because of the defeat and I, the sin of one person can be far-reaching. Don't let it be you. Here's what I've done. Verse 20, I saw the plunder, a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels. I coveted it. And I took them. They're hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. What's hidden in your tent? Yeah. His family was there. It's not like these ultralight camping tents that we have now where it weighs maybe a half a pound titanium or aluminum rods and a piece of really ultra-thin fabric. Some of the tents cost four, five, and six hundred dollars. They don't weigh anything and one person can sleep in them. And they keep you warm. No. This was his tent for his family. And everybody in his family was in that tent. It wasn't like he was solo. And everybody knew. What's hidden in your tent? See, the bottom line is, you know what's in your tent. And God knows what's in your tent. 
I mean, everything in your tent, you've got to carry with you when you move. Everything in your tent, you get familiar with. Everything in your tent, it's your home for 40 years. What's hidden in your tent? Because you know what's in the tent. And God knows what's in the tent. And if you want to move up and own spiritually, what's inside your tent, it can hold you down. Or it can free you up if you get rid of it. Everybody's got something in their tent. His weighed 50 shekels. His was silver and gold, but it wasn't his. For just as though disobedience of one man, the many were made sinners, also through the obedience of one man, the many will be made righteous. You see, what's in your tent? You matter to God. He cares about you. And he wants whatever you may have hidden in your tent. He doesn't want you to have to carry it another day in the desert. He wants you to have that tent so light and so free that when you get in it, you don't carry guilt. When you lay in that tent and you're laying there, he doesn't want you to look around and say, man, I got this buried here. I got this over there. You know, these, even these small tents, these ultralights, they've got places to hang stuff, pockets to put stuff. It's an amazing engineering feat. But in the morning, you've got to pack it up. And you've got to move on. Don't let what's in your tent slow you down from moving on spiritually. God has got the next step for you, whatever your step is. I don't know. But I suspect that God's been speaking to you about that next step. He's been talking to you about what's in your tent. I tell you, He wants you to have the most ultralight tent in the world so that you can go where He asks you to go. You can do what He asks you to do. Romans 5, 8 says this, But God demonstrated His own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How can He do that? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, Christ died for us before we were born. And if He died for us for our sins before we were ever born, then He died for us for our sins that we have yet to commit. Through one man, death entered. Through one man, life. Look, this week, this week, you know what's in your tent. Nobody can see in there. It's zipped up. It's closed off. Maybe 
some, somebody that's really close to you, maybe they know what's in your tent. Maybe it's someone you love. You know what's in their tent. They know what's in your tent. If it's not, if it's something that God has said, don't. This is a devoted thing. Get it out of your tent. The sin of one person can have far-reaching effects. This week, pick one thing that's in your tent and say, man, I'm not, I'm not loading this up another day. I'm not going to take this with me when I move. Get it out of your tent. He said, I saw it. I coveted it. I took it. And I hid it. You're only hiding stuff if it's something you don't want anybody to see. So keep it hidden. Except uncover it for the Lord. He died for you. Amen. Your tent. Don't carry a heavy one another day. Dear God, we thank you that your son died for us, for our sins, past, present, and future. That Father, we don't have to carry sin or guilt with us. Father, that when we lay our head down in our tent, we don't want guilt or shame with us. Father, you died for that. And Father, we thank you, God, that this week our tent is going to be lighter because we're going to give these things to you, Father. That we're going to be able to move more, we're going to be able to pack easier, and we're going to be able to sleep sounder knowing that you want that stuff. It's for you to handle, not for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you guys. This is Pastor Louis. I hope you've enjoyed the message today, and I hope that it has encouraged you. If you need any further information about the message or our ministries, please contact us at the numbers on the screen. Our live worship is 1030 each Sunday morning, and we can also be seen on YouTube and Facebook at thelivingcornerstone.org. Be blessed.